to Brake Check, your source for automotive knowledge from the Northwest School. Today we're going to do pretty much what we did last time, just kind of talk through what we've been up to. Lewis, do you want to start us off? Thanks, Merrick. And thank you to everyone who's tuning in once again for episode eight. This week was a little bit different for our family. We dropped my sister off at the airport. She's going to Smith College, but we dropped her off yesterday on Thursday. And she had a really early flight. I planned a great trip from them and my mom's coming home tomorrow. So that's exciting. But while she's gone, I am the person I've designated myself as the one who's going to take care of her car. So I don't want her car battery to die or things like that. Yesterday, I cleaned it out and had a pretty funny experience. She has a 2005 Volvo XC70. In most cars, the seats go all the way flat. But with hers, her seats were not going flat for a while. But just yesterday, I found this tab that you pull, which removes the seat cushion. So the seat cushion goes vertical. And then you can put the seats, the back of the seats, perfectly horizontal to create a flat loading bed throughout the vehicle. So that was pretty exciting. I put air in her tires and got her some gas. And she has the 2.5 liter five cylinder turbo, which is the same engine that's in my dad's newer Volvo, his 2016 V60 cross country. And that engine, I'm a little bit jealous because I drive an XC90, which is such a heavy car, but her car has some get up and go. It moves really well. I know that Volvos, they've done really well in the past with that engine, but I want them to bring that engine back because throughout the automotive industry, we've seen five cylinders from a performance standpoint in vehicles such as the Audi RS3 or the, I believe the S3 has a five cylinder as well. One of Merrick's friends has a, Merrick, is it an S3 or an RS3 that's been tuned? I have friends that have S3s and RS3s, um, but one one of them has the RS3 and that has the five cylinder. Yeah, is that we have Mo, who also has the R8. Yeah, that's Morgan. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so there's there's Mogan who has an R8, and his daily driver is an RS3 that has a five cylinder. And then there's our friend Sam, who he actually taught me how to use Premiere to edit our YouTube videos. Shout out to him. He has an S3, which is the four cylinder. I believe the non-performance variation or variant is the. Two liter four cylinder. It's 240 horsepower and 280 pound feet of torque. I think that's one of their more popular engines found in the Audi Q5 two liter. As well as I know when we were cross shopping models for my dad's little year when he was getting a Volvo low wagon, the Audi Allroad had a two liter four cylinder as well. The A4 shares that engine and the A5 coupe. A3 as well, Q3, all those. Yep. I actually drove a Q3 in Massachusetts. I had a lot of fun driving that vehicle. I got to take it in Massachusetts for driving that car. So that's one of those stories that if we haven't shared it in previous episodes, I'll definitely share it soon. Merrick, what do you have going on in your life? Saturday night, there was a meet up in Woodenville, which is coincidentally where we have cars and coffee in the, on Sunday mornings. And I met up with some good friends of mine. And we mentioned her name a few times on this channel or this podcast. But Jen, she has the bright green Lamborghini Gallardo. She was with us and then some other friends as well. But we ended up bringing the Gallardo and a RV to the meet so we could, because it's at night, we want to protect the Gallardo. So we wanted a place to park it where it could be under a cover. And the, the RV actually has a cover. So we drove down to Woodenville. We were on the highway. We had the Lambo in front. I was in my A3 behind and then the RV behind us. It was this whole squad. It was really cool. And we pulled in, we set up camp, and we have the RV with the Lambo parked next to it. And the RV has lights on the cover. So it was illuminated. It was a really cool thing, really cool to see. And everybody loved it. This uh, car show was actually, or meet, was pretty cool because they do this thing that not a lot of other, not a lot of other people do, which is called 
stance limbo. So they set up a big PBC limbo setup and you see who has the lowest car. And so people drive laps around this one little parking block row. And until your car, until they have to lift up the pipe for you, you can keep going. And if you want to take a guess at what cars would be winning this, if you said Miata, that would be correct. It's the ultimate car to take with these because they're so small. So we had a couple Miatas tied to win the thing. So it was pretty cool, pretty fun to watch. Pickup trucks in general are typically seen in my mind as off-road or utility vehicles. So I think that those are what a truck should be. And if you're going to get a stance vehicle, definitely something like a Miata is appropriate or socially accepted. It's just interesting how people sometimes do that with trucks in my mind. I'm going mean, to disagree with you too. Also, I think it depends on the truck. If it's one of the newer trucks that already comes from factory, pretty high off the ground with big tires, I do agree that those look better lifted with big off-road tires. But older Japanese trucks like old Nissans and Datsuns and the Toyota Tacomas, I think those look really good when they're super low. I can't remember the exact make and model that were uh, the trucks that were at the car meet but they look something along the lines of a chevrolet s10 pickup and to me that wasn't very attractive but i can see that being the case with some of the older nissan trucks a cool vehicle to stance that nobody ever thinks about one thing i've always whenever i see them there's like very few of them in the car community i'm always like that is the coolest flex ever because it's a car that you can have a family with you can also stance and it's a minivan so people will put air suspension in these, and usually they'll redo the whole interior. So you have this really nice leather bucket seats with the children's car seats in the back, and they'll be slammed down with side skirts and everything. There's actually quite the aftermarket for these cars. You know, you can get yeah, like front bumpers and all the kinds of stuff. And I think minivans look really cool when they're slammed to the ground. I will have to agree with you there. Also, I love stanced minivans. And there is a big stance van culture in Japan. I went to Japan a couple years ago and I saw a lot of like Toyota Siennas and Honda Odysseys that were like pretty much sitting on the ground with super big chrome front bumpers. I don't know about the all the chrome parts, but that's personally I wouldn't do that. But I think stance vans are really cool. Another car that you can also have a family with and are very rare in the car community, but I think they look really great when they're stanced are the Nissan Cube. I love the Nissan Cube. That's a controversial one. And if you know, Sage it is. loves these things. And, and yeah. it's a very quirky vehicle. I think the back of the back rear hatch is like asymmetrical because of the hinge. So when you see it from the back, it's like, the window wraps around to one side, but then on the other side, it stops because they have to make that hinge there. It's just a weird car. Not my favorite, but I could see where if you modify one of those, it'd be really cool and unique. Yeah, I, I love them. It is controversial, and I see how people might dislike it, but I just think they're so cool because of how unique they are. I'm not a huge fan of the Nissan Cube. It's funny because I know, I know someone who drives a Nissan Cube, and she's one of my favorite teachers that I've ever had. But it's just one of those things where I'm like, eh. so it's it's funny how sometimes when you see those cars, it, there's a certain demographic of people who are driving them. And like with Volvos, you kind of see it as the person who doesn't want to be as flashy as someone in a Mercedes, but is like a professor at a college, kind of that kind of vibe. And 
going back to the minivan thing, Mercedes for a while, I can't even imagine what kind of demographic drove their R63 AMG because that was a minivan that they had. It created 503 horsepower and 465, I believe, pound-feet of torque just off an AMG hand-built V8. And they only made around 200. So if you want to get the ultimate flex vehicle, I think that's one to get. But if you're also going to do something along the lines of a Nissan Cube and stand something like that, I think that can be pretty cool too. Yeah, that was early, mid-2000s. Mercedes was like, we need a car for the American market that's kind of like a minivan, like a luxury minivan, like Lewis said. Not really like an E-Class wagon because those are starting to kind of fall out of popularity and the, the glk class their kind of mid-sized suv that was kind of too big for some people so they needed an in-between so they went with the r class and i mean that was a great car but then they threw in the 6.2 liter naturally aspirated v8 and if you don't know that engine that's a very legendary mercedes engine that's where when it's an amg it says 63 on the back that comes from the 6.2 liter because it's almost 6.3 so they say 6.3 has to do with displacement whatever it's technically it's a 6.2 but they call it 6.3 so it's a very legendary engine it was used in the c63 w204 generation if you're familiar with that it's one of the people say it's one of the best mercedes v8s ever built v8 cars so to throw that in a all-wheel drive kind of wagon minivan thing with luxury and performance, that's like the ultimate Mercedes wagon minivan in a way, I guess. Did they make that the R63 AMG similar to the C63 AMG S or something like a black series? Yeah, so S models weren't introduced till 2014 or 2016. So there was never an S model of the that generation C63 that was at the same time period of the R class. But yes, the Black Series was a very famous C63. And that's like the next level of C63 they put in. It was a limited edition as well. You could get a special body kit, special paint colors, and it came with a very rough suspension. So it wasn't really a comfortable car, very capable on the track, and they took some weight out of it too. It would be really cool if they happened to make an R63 Black Series. Bring it back. <laughs> Mercedes-Benz, if you're listening to this, or if any of your corporate employees are hearing it, we would buy an R63 if we were able to attain that and we wanted to flex on everyone. So With, yes, with we... 6.2 V8, because they're, they're no longer making that engine anymore. It's 4.0 yeah. V8s, and they're even phasing out the whole V8 in a Mercedes. If you made the old R63 in a Black Series model, all three of us would definitely want to buy one. I'd go bankrupt, honestly, just trying to maintain that. But I would also be out of like pure joy because it'd be for such an amazing vehicle. <laughs> yeah, because yep. the next generation of C-Class uh, after this W205 generation, W206, should be coming out in the next year or so, will not have a V8 in it as it has in the past. They're actually going to be doing a hybrid four-cylinder. So if you're familiar with the CLA and GLA and A-Class models from Mercedes, they're going to be taking that four-cylinder, handcrafted four-cylinder, and putting it into the C63 with a hybrid drivetrain. So it will be a lot of torque, a lot of power, great maneuverability because it will be a light engine, but not the good V8 sound. You won't get that nice grunt from the V8. That's disappointing, too, because not only are you going to lose some, I, I guess, excitement when it comes to losing that V8, but it's disappointing how a lot of auto manufacturers these days are kind of steering clear 
of those V8 engines. Volvo for a while there had the 4.4 liter Yamaha V8 and people were able to mod those out to close to around 650 horsepower. Seiji told me that a company called Noble, which is a British racing company, had the Noble M1. M600. M600. Noble M600. What they did was they used the Yamaha V8 from Lewis's XC90 and put two turbos on it and tuned it up to over 600 horsepower and then put it in the back of a supercar. A lot of the consumer brands such as Mercedes and Volvo are going to be are going to continue downsizing their engines and pushing for cars that are further along the lines of electric or hybrid. I hope that auto manufacturers such as Bugatti and Lamborghini stick with those higher displacement engines such as that are greater in size, such as V12s or W16s. Speaking of Lamborghini, they have their famous V12 that's in the Aventador. Aventador is actually going to be the last year of a naturally aspirated Lamborghini V12. So sorry to burst your bubble, Lewis, because that is coming to an end. The Lamborghini Sion, the original Aventador, and before that, the Murcielago. And the bridge between those two cars was called a Reventon. And it looked like Batman's car, that gray angular car. And that was kind of the predecessor to the Aventador, but it still used the Murcielago engine. So the Sion is kind of like that car for the Aventador. So it's going to bridge the next hybrid V12 Lamborghini with the current Aventador and it has a hybrid drivetrain. So it's kind of what you can expect. So a lot of car companies are going with this hybrid thing and also downsizing their engines. Volvo released their Polestar sub-brand and the Polestar 1, which is a four-cylinder combined with a turbo a supercharger, and an electric drivetrain. And that is a crazy car on its own. And it's funny that you guys bring up hybrid and newer cars shifting to electric because that's a good transition to revealing my new car. Drumroll, please. It is a 2021 Mini Cooper SE. And what that E is at the end is for electric. It's just like the regular Cooper S, but they took out the four-cylinder and put in an electric motor. This is a cool car. I'm just going to come out and say I've seen it in person. The coolest thing, in my opinion, about this car is the green-yellow trim. You can get for it on the mirrors in the front grille. It looks really cool. And, Lewis, you don't you didn't know about this car till now. What do you think? Just looking it up and based on Sage's excitement, I knew it was going to be a really good car. On our previous episode, we had heard how it was a specific color, Moonwalk Gray. And so from that point on, I knew that it was something special just based on the name of the color. But doing a little bit more research into this car, I think it's a perfect car for what, if you're going to be commuting around the city and just something that's really zippy. While I worked at Starbucks over the summer, I worked there from April of 2020 through December of 2020 before ski season picked up. And I worked at the Starbucks drive-thru. It was one of the busiest stores in our area. I remember right when this vehicle came out, before I quit, one of my favorite regulars named Doug came through quite often with the car and he had great things to say about it. And the interior was quite cool. My favorite thing about his car kind of watch as I watched it go away is the taillights. They have the uh, United Kingdom flag. I just think that's a really unique touch. It's kind of what Volvo does with their newer models and that they have the Swedish flag on the seats. It just shows that the car has soul and it's really personable. And so it's by all means one of the ultimate cars. You might be saying, oh, well, why do they have the British flag? It's owned by BMW. 
but they still build them in Great Britain, which I think is really cool. Even though BMW owns them, they still build them. They can still say made in Britain. And like Lewis just said, the interior is really nice. It's a really, it feels like a really nice place to be. If you guys want to see what it's like and what the car looks like, well, you can look it up, but you can also go over to our YouTube channel because we are going to have a full review and point of view drive in it with the GoPro. So stay tuned for that. Go to our YouTube channel. Um, Lewis will probably put the link to our YouTube channel in the description of this podcast. It's called Break Check. Go check it out. We have some really exciting things coming up too. We have some good news I was sending emails back and forth with one of my teachers last night regarding her 1973 project car that she's looking for us to potentially work on. And I heard back from her today saying that it needs some tender, loving care, and there's a transmission problem that it need that needs to be adjusted. So if you like German sports cars or if you like any kind of sports cars in general, and if you're someone who's more interested in cars that came from the later late end of the 20th century, by all means, check out that Brake Check YouTube channel because very soon we'll, we'll have classic cars, we'll have Mini Coopers, and we'll have all sorts of unique project cars on there that we'll be working on. 70s German cars to 2021 brand new electric cars and everything, everything in between. And yeah. I'm sure we can get some exotics like Lamborghinis on there as well because yep. I... Definitely know a couple people. <laughs> Should I wait to say what the project car is? Oh, yes, please wait. I almost just said it what it was a minute ago, but you'll have to click the link below to find out. Yes, the only hints you get are what Lewis has already said. It's from 1973, and it's a German sports car. A lot of people don't like this car because apparently it doesn't look like other cars from this brand, but I think it's a very neat car. Stay tuned to our YouTube channel. We have a bunch of content coming soon. That project car won't come immediately, but it'll definitely be up there. And like Sage said, POV drives. We have a GoPro now, so we're going to be filming stuff. We'll do some cool tunnel drives through Seattle. There's a lot of good places to go, and you might actually find out about some new roads you never knew existed through watching that. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, email us, nwsbreakcheck at gmail.com. That's nwsbreakcheck at gmail.com. And with that being said, thank you to everyone who's decided to tune in for episode 8. We have some really exciting stuff coming soon to the Break Check platform. We hope to see you guys soon between now and episode 9 and everything else that we have to come.